Good morning. Our scripture today is Acts 2, 38 to 47. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thank you so much, Casey, for reading. Sometimes it is really, really helpful to stop and ask a question. And that question is, what exactly am I trying to accomplish? Sometimes it's helpful, I would imagine, for someone who owns a business who is overwhelmed with like the growing complexities of a business to take a step back and go, what exactly am I trying to accomplish with this? You can imagine a family that is pulled in a thousand different directions, whether it's uh, sports or music or academics or getting everybody and running the family taxi everywhere. Just take a step back and go, what, what exactly are we trying to accomplish here? You can imagine an individual at times, we've got to take stock of our life and we look at our family and our friends and our relationships we look at our achievements, our goals, and our ambitions, and we take a moment and we ask, like, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? What am I trying to do? And I think it's very, very helpful for us to do that as a church sometimes, to take a step back and really seek the Lord as to, okay, what is our mission? What are we trying to accomplish As a church, there's so many good things that we can do. There's so many good things that we want to do. What is it that God has called us to do? And I think when we take a step and look like that, we get God's God's idea instead of just like making up our own of what success looks like for a church. Over the next few weeks, I want us to I want us to ask that question: like, what does success look like for a church? What does it look like at Ogletown? What does God-initiated progress look like for us as a church family? And so I want to spend a good amount of time on asking and answering that question today from God's word. What will success look like for our church family? But then I also want to dig in a little and maybe a little bit more personally push you to ask a couple other questions. Another question that I want us to be considering is, how much do I want to see God at work in us and through us? As a church family, how much, like what is my commitment level? How much do I want to see God at work in us and through us? 
we kind of outline success. How am, I, how am I committed to that? How much do I pray for this to happen? How much do I, am I present here when God is at work? How much of a priority is this even in my, my finances and my time? How willing am I to persevere when things get tough? And it's just frankly easier to disagree and run or rather than hang in there and persevere in unity. How much do I want to see God at work in us and through us? And then finally, I do want to ask this question over the next few weeks, and that is what role is God calling me to play? I want you to ask that question because this is what I, I believe. God arranges members in the body as he chooses, and every member of the body is important. Every member of the body has a particular function. There aren't useless members of the body of Christ. So I believe wholeheartedly that God has a reason for you being here if he's led you to be a part of this church family. And I want you to ask that question seriously. Like, what role is it? Or maybe what roles, plural, is God calling me, calling us to play? We have a mission as a church. We know, first and foremost, we are to bring glory to God. We know that. We know part of the way we bring glory to God is by caring well for each other. And we recognize that. But as we just have sung a moment ago, we must go. It isn't enough for us just to stay kind of huddled together, as important as gathering together is. What God always does is pushes his, the people that will follow him, he pushes us to look outward. That's why one of the fundamental commands of Jesus is to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is why Jesus would instruct his disciples that they would be witnesses for him. They would give verbal testimony of what he had done. That's why he gives them a command right before he leaves. And he says, go into all the world. And as you're going, make disciples. So as much as we ought to tend to the care of our own body here, we can never forget that he's called us to go. So when we go, what will success look like? What should God-initiated progress and success look like for our church? What's actually super, super helpful in answering that question is some statements in the book of Acts. So what Casey read a moment ago from the book of Acts is so important. The book of Acts tells the story from when Jesus goes to heaven and like the first, I don't know, maybe 30 years of the, of the church's life together. What does that look like? Is the church with Jesus reigning and ruling in heaven and the Holy Spirit present among us? What does church look like there? What does progress look like for the church? And it tells the, the story of the first 30 years or so of church history. But occasionally, as Luke is telling the story, as he is tracking individuals and kind of geographical expansion, occasionally he will stop and give a progress report and say, here's how it's all going. And then he'll pick up again, tell some more stories, pick up a few more names, and then he'll stop again and go, and here's what progress looked like in the early church. And then he'll continue. He does this repeatedly. Most of the time on Sunday mornings, I like for us to do a deep dive in a couple verses or maybe five to ten verses. But today, I want you to see what Luke does again and again, hitting a few highlights in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles there in Acts chapter 2, you can see the first one of those progress reports. The first one is in Acts 2.47. Casey read it just a moment ago. It says, 
kind of after telling the story of a dramatic story of what God did on Pentecost, Luke stops and says, the Lord added to their number day by day. So that's not the spectacular one-time event of 3,000 people being added. This is what happens day to day. This is progress. The Lord added to their number day by day, not just on Sundays, not just on one particular day of the week, but day by day, those who were being saved. Something very, very ordinary happens, except for the fact that it's the extraordinary Holy Spirit of God working. The Lord is adding to their number. And when you see that, I want us to understand, let me just give a word for what I understand going on. There's so many words I could choose from. Let me just highlight, it is progress for a church when we see people experience rescue. When we see people experience rescue. When people are rescued, when their lives, when in scripture the language regularly is, the people were being saved. Just a a simple word for rescue. Sometimes we forget that apart from Christ, we are all headed to destruction. It's not going to go well for us. Not our lives, not eternity. And progress looks like when God initiates salvation and people are saved. The implication is you can't save yourself. So we make progress when we see that, when we see that happening around us, when we see tangible evidence of God rescuing people and then adding them to our number. It's progress when a person comes to the very end of their rope and they need to find a community that will just love them and represent Jesus Christ to them. And let's say they find this one. Through a multitude of people, they find grace and hope, and they also hear a message that could change their lives, and they believe and they trust, and nothing is ever the same. What happened to them? They are rescued. I was on campus this week, and I can't help but think of a freshman that showed up, or a sophomore, or a junior, senior, who maybe already has tried the the party scene, already has tried drinking and getting high and and yet they already know this, this is not going to go well. This is not what I'm made for. This Surely life, surely college, surely what the future holds is more than this. They're already sick of it. What happens when their life, instead of getting consumed by those things, actually they get rescued, they get pulled out of a life that is actually going nowhere. And they get pulled out of that and they, they hear a message of, of deliverance, a rescue, that they don't have to live that way. They can live in relationship with the one who created them and the one who redeemed them. And life is never the same. Rescue happens. Rescue happens when a retiree that is lonely, and maybe they had life figured out for a long, long time, but now they're asking questions about eternity. And you are their neighbor. And you are walking with them. You have built a relationship and friendship with them all these years. And now they start asking questions that they've never asked before. And and what you sense happening is there's an openness. There's an openness that they've never had before. And God uses us. God uses our friends. God uses our church family. And people are being rescued, pulled out of destruction and brought to life. What happens for the person who had a church background? And like they were always like quite comfortable with that. They could kind of do enough God talk to get along. But all of a sudden, it's, they're just painfully aware. That's, that's a joke. That, that won't get me anywhere. I need something real. I need something that can actually get inside of me and change me. 
and we begin to talk, or maybe they just come in, they checked it out on the website, they come, and here they are. And God does what only he can do, and that is change the heart. Or I think of the person who maybe a year ago would have thought, yeah, I'm kind of an agnostic, maybe an atheist. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe those things. But now it changes. Or maybe in three months it's going to change. Or six months it's going to change. And God is going to undermine their skepticism. And they're going to find themselves believing. People need a rescue. People are going to face God. And when we do on our own, we're in desperate trouble. I don't have enough goodness. You don't have enough goodness to offer. No one does. And what, what happens when someone calls out to the Lord, turns from everything, we call that repentance, turns from everything else and trusts in Jesus Christ? What God has promised to do is rescue. Let's pray. Let's pray for that, church. That's progress. That's progress. Let's initiate conversations towards that end. Let's celebrate when that happens here. Let's get outside of our comfort zone in pursuit of that. Let's hear our, ourselves singing again, we must go. Keep us from just singing. Move us to action. Here's progress. The Lord added to their, res- to their number day by day those who are being rescued. That's a progress report. That's an indicator. There's another one. So if you, if you flip over to Acts chapter 6, progress report number 2 comes in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 says this, and again, a lot of these are going to sound similar, and we are only hitting the highlights, but Acts chapter 6 says the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests Those are the ones in chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 even were opposed to all this. Now they're obedient. So it's not just that they're rescued. Here's another way of saying it. They're obedient to the faith. But notice what's increasing here. It is the word of God. The word of God continues to increase. In the midst of difficulty, and Acts chapter 6 is about ethnic unity and care and support for those that are, are vulnerable and the priority of the word and how to manage and organize the church. And there's so much there that, that we could spend a lot of time on. But let's hear the words that, that Luke uses to describe what's happened. He says the word of God increased. The word of salvation, the word of grace, the word of the gospel, the message of new life. That which saves us, the good news, the promise fulfilled, the the will of God, the the kingdom of God, all of that is increasing. Its influence is extending. More and more people are added to that. The word of God is increasing. And there's a number of disciples. It is progress. Let's just remind ourselves, it is progress when God's word goes to work, and it increases us in number, but also increases its influence in our lives. That's why, that's why I love my perspective as a pastor of this church, because I get to see what happens when God's word goes to work on someone, and they realize, you know, I used to use my speech in this way. I used to be profane. I used to use all sorts of language that is just highly inappropriate, but I read God's word, and it's changing what I say. It's changing my speech. I'm not the critical person I once was, and that's because God has gone to work on me. 
or when I see how scriptures over and over again press on us the care for the orphan. And I see how that is reflected in so many lives in our church. Where someone says, it's God's word driving me to care in ways that, frankly, I might be selfish, but God is moving me through his word. Or when I see someone not flaunting liberty that they could have so that they might serve another person. Or when someone is hungering and thirsting after righteousness because God's word has come alive to them. Or when someone bears another's burdens when they cook a meal for them or or are with them, present with them when they're going through suffering. And they're doing that because God's word has made it clear. This is, this is what you do. And God's word comes alive and, and hospitality is a part of our lives. Homes are open and we're patient with each other when maybe we previously would have been just quick to misunderstand. Now we're, we're hanging in there as long as we can to try to understand. This is God's word. And when God's word wins, lives are changed as a result. And this is what Acts says, that's progress. I don't know what your marker for progress for our church is, but this is what we test it against. Is God word, God's word winning in our lives? There's another progress report, and if you still have Acts open, look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Again, we're, we're not spending long on any of these because I want you to see collectively what they're saying about what happens when God begins to work at a church. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. That's pretty critical because the church in Acts 7, Acts 8, and Acts 9 actually didn't have a lot of peace because Saul was terrorizing the church. He was persecuting Christians. But then God does this amazing thing and converts Saul, who later becomes Paul. And in the midst of that, the church can like breathe easier now. They have peace, but it continues to grow. It continues to be built up. They're walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplies. The church doesn't just go into neutral. It continues to grow. When I read a text like this, the, the word that sticks with me is the word strength. The church is being built up. It's growing in maturity. It's getting stronger. It's getting stronger in the fear of the Lord. I guess when you see Saul's life radically turned around, the main terrorist to the Christian faith, when you see him converted, you go, what is God up to? Is there any limits for his power? They walk in the fear of the Lord. They walk in the encouragement, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it says. They're, with a, they're able to withstand pressure and difficulty. They have a deeper fear of the Lord than they do even of people. They're not afraid what people may say, or they're not afraid of being pressured or, or, or even threatened because they have experienced what, what, God is, what God has done. What if we had that good sense that the Holy Spirit was comforting us, encouraging us, guiding us, molding us? Then I love what that verse also says, because it says not just... One church, but the churches all throughout, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, it's a whole region. I often think, like, yeah, we're, we're here as a church doing our thing, but I'm so encouraged we're locked arms with so many other churches in our, in our area, in our region, in our country, in our world. Where we have a unified mission, we want to see Jesus Christ known. We want to see God glorified. What if our church got stronger? That's progress. 
when we're built up in the Lord, that's progress. When the fear of the Lord is greater among us, when the the comfort of the Holy Spirit is greater among us, that's progress. May God make it so. There's There's another marker just a couple chapters over, and that's in Acts 12, 24. So Acts 12, 24, this is, again, some of this ends up feeling like, seems like, seems like Luke's saying the same thing over and over again. What's amazing is he is, but it's time is elapsing. There's, there's years, there's decades going by, and he's saying that all, ar- all around the, the Mediterranean now, the word of God is increasing and multiplying. It sounds so similar to what we've already read, but now it's not just Jews, but also Gentiles. And not just Jerusalem, but Antioch. And I want you to notice here in these words, increase and multiply, notice the growth. Notice the growth that God is giving. Notice that the word is, is increasing. It doesn't mean that everybody has warm feelings about the church at that point. It does not mean that. What it does mean is more people are accepting this preaching of the good news that Jesus was not just the Messiah of Israel, but the Savior of the world. And years after Jesus has ascended, the word of God is still increasing and multiplying. The word of God. What stands out to me is like the engine of growth has not changed. It hasn't changed. I think we need to hear that. The people of God are staying faithful to God's word. You see, in every generation, there's going to be a temptation to somehow convince ourselves that God's word is not quite as relevant as it used to be. So we've got to modify, kind of sand off the rough edges, take the theological barriers that may cause a person a problem and like take those out of the way. Actually, you don't find them doing that in Acts. What they're taking is the same message that Jesus Christ preached, the same one that the Holy Spirit has empowered. There's no effort to make the church look more like the world. There's no effort to say, well, everybody in the world views sexual ethics this way, so I guess it's just the time we're living in. We've got to change or we'll be irrelevant. Or you know what? The old message of like one way to heaven yeah, that just doesn't quite work anymore in this day and time, so we've got to change that and make it more palatable so more people might be interested. That's actually not what, it, it's not what happens. They're faithful to the message. And God uses that to grow. The straight-up word that started the church is what is growing the church. I pray that God would give us growth. I know that God at times will send us Christians from other churches in our area. And for a variety of reasons, they they may need a a church family to belong to. I know there are times where someone will move geographically and they'll come into our area and they're looking for a church and this will be the community. And that's you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has sent you our way. I pray that Ogletown will invest deeply in you looking more and more like Jesus. That's our desire. But there is a particular growth that I pray for and long for, and that is for people who are being rescued to be added to our church, for a life that once was headed straight toward destruction 
and that to change and for us to witness that change and for for those to be added to our number i i desire that and and if you if you want to know maybe maybe you're in the category of you're you're not a christian you've never identified like i'm a follower of jesus christ i i can tell you we're not doing any sort of bait and switch we see our mission as a church family to share the love and message of jesus christ and we believe so deeply that god loves every single person that we would ever encounter and we believe so deeply that god can change lives even ones that we might think are hopeless we believe so deeply that we were made to have a relationship with our creator we've been loved by someone who gave his life so that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life this is what we believe this is what we desire so of course we would want that for every person of course we would want that for you if you've not yet trusted in jesus it's certainly not the the pad any numbers here it's not to for the praise of our church so that god would be glorified and he would be big in your life the church grew let's pray let's pray for God to increase and bring more, to send people who maybe aren't even connected with a church at this moment. As you keep moving through Acts, you discover more progress. So in Acts chapter 16 and verse 5, it says this, progress report number 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Again, we've heard this. We've, we've heard this ref- refrain, but, but this is a new word. When it says they were strengthened in the faith, that's a little bit different word than than Luke's used before. And, and it has all the connotations of this, this church was stable. They were strengthened in the sense that they weren't able to be easily moved. There was a stability about the church. They were stable in their faith. Entire churches were getting stronger. They weren't easily shaken. The leaders were, were stable. The, the members are stable. It didn't mean they had, didn't have problems, of course. There's problems, but there's a stability. There's a stability about people, even when they're going through the difficult times of their life, their, their faith hangs on. It stays strong. Even when life doesn't produce what you think it would, it, it stays strong. Even when a student goes into a school and is mocked and ends up being all alone in their walk with Jesus, they stay strong. They, they hold on. They persevere. Even when with homes, it's homes that are putting God first and in our environments of God's grace. It's, it's singles who are trusting in the Lord's goodness and wisdom. It's men and women living out pure lives with full allegiance to the Lord, faithful to him, growing in their knowledge of God's word has a way of making the church stable. This is progress. When our, when our church isn't here and there and here and there. But we're strong in our faith. Just one more marker I want to call your attention to, and that's in Acts 19 and verse 20. It says this, So the word of the Lord continued to increase. And again, this is a different phrase than has been used before. The word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Context, if you want to read in the afternoon Acts 19, there are definitely worse ways you could spend your afternoon than that. 
Acts 19 is the story of God going to work in Ephesus. And it is a powerful display of like just taking down the idols and everything that the whole city was worshiping. And God works in a, such a powerful way. In God's word prevails mightily. There, if I had a word that I associate with this, it's power. You know, what progress looks like is when God's word shows up in power. For a people like our, our age and our generation, where we're consumed with materialism, when God shows up and begins to just unmask materialism for what it is. When, when God's word goes to work in a culture that really has no time for him. And in the midst of that, still, God's word is strong and increases. Right at the heart of a, a city that idolized sexual immorality, God goes to work place that knew very little of Jesus Christ. Right there, the word of the Lord increases with all dominion and might and authority and power. The gods of Ephesus look so strong. But here is one messenger of the Lord bringing the word of God to bear on that city. And Ephesus was never the same. Never the same. That's what progress looks like. I needed to read these things. I could have read, needed to read these summary statements. I, I needed the reminder and the clarity about what God has in mind for us partnering together as a church family. I was reading a, another article this week and it talked about, I think it was about half a dozen athletes who started off with like this incredible passion for the game and had just out of this world skills. So it's a lot of different sports, men and women. So they have this passion and they have skill and they have success. But somewhere along the way, they just get, they they lose the passion. They get tired of it. It It's just fascinating to read each of these and how they found themselves going through the motions and eventually decided to move on, retiring early. And, you know, all the sports fans are like, I can't believe they're retired. They're, they're, They're at their prime. How could they retire at such a high level? And I, I don't judge I don't judge any athletes that would make that decision. What struck me as I read that, though, as I stopped a minute and thought, I sure don't want there to come a time where my passion for the most important thing in the world, that is Jesus Christ, where somehow my passion for him just decreases so much, that I find myself only going through the motions. Kind of looking for an exit ramp. Kind of going through the motions of church. Maybe even for me going through the motions of leading church. Oh, I, I pray God help it never to decrease to that point. I don't want to lose my passion for our church to fully succeed in accomplishing the work that God has called us to do. I don't want my, my passion to decrease for God to increase our number. I, I want to stay, and I want us as a church family to, to stay eager to see people rescued. We're on the edge of our seats ready for, I wonder what more stories of God's grace we're going to encounter this fall. Lord, Lord send it. Let's send it this way. I want us to be eager to see the word increase in people's lives where 
We look more and more like Jesus because his word is having more and more authority in our lives. I want us to be eager to see people built up where maybe they, had, they, were, they were new Christians and had taken their first steps, but now we see them getting stronger and stronger and stronger in their decision-making and their maturity and their perseverance and their love. Eager for more people to be reached by God's word. Eager for lives to be stabilized and even our church family to be stabilized. Eager to see God's mighty power at work even in the deepest places of darkness. Church, I don't want, I don't want us to lose our passion for any of that. And so I say, let, let's go to the book of Acts and let's see the progress. Let's see what God did. And then say, Lord, we're praying that you would do that once more. That you would make your name great in us. That you would make your name great through us. And these progress reports can fuel passion for his work. Can I ask you to bow your head? Thank you for listening to a burden that I think is shared across this congregation. Thank you for taking this to heart. I pray that you do, asking questions like, am I, how much am I invested in this? And what role is God calling me to play in this partnership of Ogletown Baptist Church? In this moment, would you pray that God would do what he is well capable of doing, what he's done before? Father, we, we ask you for that. Lord, we ask you for increase and growth. We ask you for your word to have greater influence in this congregation. We ask you to send us those that you are rescuing. Father, we we confess we are not always those that go. Sometimes we're the ones who like to stay comfortable. So Lord, remind us as we read of progress of your church that we must go. Give us eyes to see how you're going to use us in this endeavor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.